All right, we're gathering around the word of God. So let's pray, shall we? Father, we just thank you for your awesome, awesome presence. Lord, that you love us so much that you gave Jesus to die in our place. And this morning, as we just gather around your word, we pray you'd speak to us. You'd open up areas where we need healing and wholeness and empower us to be the kind of people that you have created us to be. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we've been doing a series uh, called Keys to Living for God in a Secular World of Compromise. And last time... I spoke on simply the best, how God wants us to excel in the marketplace and excel in becoming everything that God's created us to be so that we can do everything that he's planned and purposed for us to do. And so we're in Daniel 6. And as I said last time, Daniel is about 85 years of age and he's about to be promoted to the number one admin guy in the whole of the land, which the other administrators didn't like. Okay, so the administrators trying to pull Daniel down, hatch a plan and convince the king to make a new law which uh, says that if anyone prays to anybody apart from King Darius, they're going to be thrown into the lion's den. And so when Daniel hears about this new law, he does what he does all the time goes back to his house, opens his window, and three times a day, every day, he would pray facing Jerusalem to God. It was his custom. Of course, this is exactly what the administrators wanted him to do, so they catch him praying, and they catch him praying, and they take him to the king, and he's thrown into the lion's den, much to the distress of Darius. And so we pick it up in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 17. And it says this it says, A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without entertainment being brought to him. And he could not sleep. I bet you Daniel couldn't sleep either, Actually, just out of interest. <clears throat> At first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Well, that's a bit brutal, isn't it? Yeah, poor kids. Anyway, 
Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. What, what a great outcome, apart from for the other administrators, uh, to a difficult situation. I mean, none of us are literally ever, I hope, thrown into uh, the lion's den, but every one of us will face really difficult situations that have the potential to destroy us. Health issues, breakdown in relationships, uh, family problems, financial crises, crises of faith, fatigue, burnout problems, problems at work, problems in the church. And Jesus said to his disciples in John 16:33 that in the world you're going to have trouble. And that's because we, we're living in a world that's falling apart. Uh, we're living in a world which is running down. And I want to talk to you this morning about how we cope in these situations. Uh, I want to talk to you about two words that are the key to getting through all of those situations. Two words that are easy to say, yet at times so really, really hard to do. Two words that verse 23 says were the key to Daniel's surviving the lion's den. Two words that you need to grow in and make your own for the rest of your life. Those two words are trust God. Trust God. Verse 23, And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Many of us know Proverbs 3 verse 5, and as I read it, you'll be saying it to yourself. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. What a wonderful verse, filled with promises, but at times so hard to enact especially in the middle of a crisis. But I want to suggest to you this morning that it's only in times of testing that you can tell the depths of your faith and your trust in God. It's easy to trust God when everything is going well, isn't it? That's the reality of it. But what about when you're facing the lion's den or the prison experience? Now, I believe in miracles. I've personally experienced lots and lots of miracles firsthand. So in a crisis, I always look for the miraculous intervention of God in the situation. Uh, my mother had a history of psychiatric illness. Uh, when I was born, mum had postnatal depression and then had a complete mental collapse. I was looked after by my grandmother in my early years, and mum 
spent months, probably totaling years, in Oakley Mental Institution in Auckland uh, for the first 18 years of life. She was on, of my life, and she was on medication, which a dad would slip into uh, her coffee in various doses, depending on what was going on. And so she would fl- she would fluctuate between highs and lows. And any of you who have dealt with people with schizophrenia will know exactly what that situation is like. I mean, I remember the great times um, of my childhood, and there were some absolutely fantastic ones, but there were also struggles. I remember mum on the roof of our house with an axe chopping down the chimney. Never did get rebuilt. (laughs) Mum and dad believed in God. They they met in a Presbyterian youth camp. Uh, Dad became an elder in our local Presbyterian church just up the road from where the Brileys used to go to church uh, in uh, in New Lynn. But mum struggled with her illness and When I came back from my first year at university, uh, full of enthusiasm for God, having been saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, it it sparked an interest in mum and dad. And about a year later, uh, they went along to a Bill Sabritsky meeting in Auckland, and mum got filled with the Holy Spirit and immediately got healed. And she never, ever had another breakdown from that time onwards. So, you know, God is a God of the impossible. God is God who can take things that the world say are impossible to heal, and he heals. He, just, he does miracles. Um, <clears throat> a couple of years ago, Penny, who is a trained physiotherapist, uh, had a dream. And in the dream, she had a vision of a person's lower leg with a broken bone inside the foot. And in the dream, she prayed for it, And before her eyes, the foot was completely healed. Many of you will uh, know David and Greta Peters. Well, about two weeks later, we heard that Greta Peters had fallen while running. If you know Greta, she's a runner. And she, every day, she'll be out going for a run. Well, she she stumbled, she fell. Uh, The x-rays confirmed a broken bone exactly the same as the bone in Penny's dream. So doctors had told Greta that she needed surgery to pin it and that she would probably never be able to run again. So Penny rang her up, told her about the dream, prayed for her over the phone and believed that she would be healed. Uh, Greta was due surgery later that week, so she persuaded the surgeon to do another MRI, which showed no broken bones at all completely healed. You know, I believe in miracles because I trust the God of miracles who says nothing is impossible to him. But the reality is we don't see miracles unless we need one. I'd love to raise somebody from the dead, but there's not too many candidates who want to die for us. Okay? it's like that old song that says, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. And uh, that's, the, that's the truth of the matter. Um, I've learnt, though, that every problem that I face is an opportunity for God to move. And it's an opportunity for my faith to be tested 
and to grow. And often in life, things happen that we, we just don't understand, and that's when we really have to just trust God. Daniel would have wondered why God allowed him in the first place to be thrown to the lions. Joseph wouldn't understood why the God he served allowed him to be sold as a slave into Egypt, then thrown into an Egyptian jail because of a false accusation, then forgotten. David and his men didn't understand why their town of Ziklag was burnt to the ground and their families taken. But David and Joseph and Daniel all encouraged themselves in the Lord and sought the Lord's help. It's easy to see why these things happen when we see the end of the story and we look back. With both Daniel and Joseph, their suffering was used to save nations. But in our lives, very rarely do we see the end of the story. But God does, because he looks and weighs everything up in the light of eternity. And usually, we don't see the eternal aspect of what is happening to us in the here and now. So we have to learn to trust him. How many people would have experienced situations or circumstances where you just don't understand why they happened or happened to you? Yeah, heaps of us, most of us, the majority of us, those ones that didn't put up your hand, uh, good news is you haven't had any experiences, bad news you're going to. Because that's life. That's life. Trust doesn't come easy. Easy, but trust in God can grow. So I want to just give you just a couple of little um, keys as to how we can grow our trust in God. And firstly, I want to say that trust in God grows as you get to know God better. Okay, The more you get to know God, the more you're going to realize that God is good, that he loves you, that he works for your ultimate good. How many people here have been married for more than 50 years? My old mate. Do you know Betty well? Should do, yeah. How, how long have you been married? Oh, you're joking. 66 years. Did, did you... Did you get married at school? <laughs> Just after, yeah. 66 years. Well, Colin and Betty would probably, they'd know each other pretty well after 66 years. You'd know her favourite colour. You'd at least know what colour her eyes are. Colin, please, help me out here. <laughs> you haven't got Alzheimer's, I know. <laughs> Betty would know what Colin's favourite chainsaw is. <laughs> uh, the reality is you get to know each other's strengths and you get to know each other's weaknesses. Uh, when you're married for a long time, 
You know how each other will act in most situations and circumstances. And the same is true with God. I know what his word says about him, that he's loving, he's faithful, he's merciful. Lamentations 3.22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Every morning there is something new in God that you can experience. Every morning you can receive something fresh of his love and his mercies uh, because there is something new. I've got a history with God. Over the past 46 years. So I have a great trust and expectancy and faith in situations where I've experienced God's intervention in the past. I came to the Lord through a healing miracle. So from that time onwards, I knew that God healed miraculously. And I trust Him in this area. So if you want to get to know God better, spend time with Him. Pray. Read His Word. Read about him, talk to others about him, and you will find that your trust for him will grow. The second thing is, trust grows as you don't try and understand everything. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. The first thing we are told to do while trusting God with all our hearts, is not to rely on our understanding of the situation. I don't need to understand everything about God and His ways to know that He loves me and I can trust Him. God is God. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Isaiah 55 verse 9, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. People fall into the trap of having to, having to know about something before they trust in it. But the reality is our life is filled every day with us using items that we haven't got a clue how they work. I mean, how many people know how a cell phone works? I mean, really? No. Most of you don't, but you use it every day anyway. Uh, anyone flown in an aeroplane? Everyone probably has flown in an aeroplane. Do you know how they can get a 747 up in, the, up in the air? I mean, how does that work? I don't know how many tonne that thing is. Talk about elephants flying. That is a jump. They call them jumbo jets for a reason. They're huge. How does that get up in the air? We don't understand, but we trust them with our life. We're human. God's God. We don't have the capacity of understanding everything about him. He views eternity. We focus on the here and now most often. He sees the end. We don't. Yes, we can learn about God. But sometimes we have to just stop trying to understand a situation and just surrender to God and trust Him to get you through and focus on what you do know rather than what you don't know. And one of the things that I know with absolute certainty and you can know with absolute certainty is that God loves us, that He's got a plan for our lives, that He will never leave us, and He hasn't finished with us yet. Psalm 125 verse 1, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but endures forever. Circumstances shake us. 
About two years ago, as most of you know, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. No big deal. I wasn't worried when the doctor gave me that prognosis. I just prayed. I got other people to pray. And amazingly, shockingly, I didn't get miraculously healed. I, you could have knocked me over with a feather. I, I, I just couldn't believe it. I was shaken. And I didn't understand why. I mean, we've seen hundreds of people healed. Why not me? So I underwent surgery. And I have no more cancer in my body. And God really, really was with me. But I did suffer. And I trust God even more now than I did before. And I was so thankful for all the people who supported me. Um, Dennis here in the front row, who is an anesthetic technician, he was with me right into the time that uh, I went to sleep on the operating uh, table. And he was there when I woke up spewing. <laughs> no, he didn't overdose me. <laughs> we, we love with our hearts. Yeah, he said, not that time. <laughs> I give him a real, real hard time, but I've got to be very, very careful. I just hope I don't end up in the hospital again. <clears throat> we, we love with our hearts and not our heads. I mean, you think of your children. When they get into teenage years, they question everything especially their parents. But when they're little, they just love us and they trust us and they believe in us. Isn't that true? That's why Jesus said that we need to come to God as little children and learn to love him more. He knows what we need and he is with us. Psalm 23 verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of of death. In other words, even though you get in a situation where death is hanging over you, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. In fact, in Deuteronomy 31, verse 6 and 8, and Joshua 1, 5, and Hebrews 13, 5, it says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And any of you who have gone through really, really, really difficult situations will know that God is with us during those times. And I've known God's presence in the difficult times and learnt more in the hard times and the valleys of life than perhaps any other time I've had. And as we do life with God, our love and our trust for Him grows. In situations that we don't understand, focus on Trusting God. Focus on what you do know about him rather than trying to understand the situation. My faith and trust in God isn't actually dependent on him doing stuff for me. If I never saw another miracle happen to me or through me, it still wouldn't dent my trust in God because I know that I know that I know that I know that he loves me. I might not understand the situation. I might be a little bit peeved with him, which we do get from time to time, but it wouldn't stop me 
from believing in Him, trusting Him, loving Him. I already have the best miracle of all, which is forgiveness of my sins, a relationship with the Creator of the universe, who is my Heavenly Father, and eternal life through Jesus Christ. Any other miracle is just temporal and only affects the short life. My trust in God is based on His love for me. And while we were sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Before we loved Him, He loved us. Thirdly, your trust of God will grow when you realize that God can work everything for good. Not everything that you face is good. Sometimes bad stuff happens because we reap what we have sown. In other words, we get what we deserve. Sometimes, unfortunately, we reap what other people have sown. Bad things happen. Sometimes things happen to us simply because we are living in a world that is falling apart. Other times, it's the enemy who comes in because he tries to kill, steal, and destroy. And he doesn't like us. But despite all of those things, no matter what happens, Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. In other words, no matter what happens, God can work it for your good, for your eternal good, if you let him, if you trust in him. When you know without doubt that God can work everything out for good, even those situations that the enemy has initiated to pull you down, you can pray expectantly into them. The problem is that a lot of us have a list of worries that we focus on each day rather than the strength of trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything. The reality is that a lot of us are anxious about stuff. And our anxiety and our worry is the result of us not trusting in God. So if you're worried about things, if the things that really get on top of you, try and give those things over to the Lord. Try and lay them at the foot of his cross and see what he'll do. Philippians 4, 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In other words, that worry list, give it to God in prayer. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which is above our thinking. We can't understand why. Will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Peace comes not through creating a peaceful situation. Peace comes as the prince of peace is in control of your life. Peace comes from within, not from without. You will never, ever be able to create an, a perfectly peaceful situation. Always 
something will happen to mess it up. That's the world that we're living in. We're living in this world. We're not living in heaven yet. So if you want peace, get peace from within. And that comes from giving those peace-disturbing situations over to the Lord and leaving them with Him. When we are worried, we aren't trusting. When you aren't trusting, you won't have peace. And remember, in the end, God works everything for good. So if it's not good, it's not the end. If it's not good, it's not the end because God will work it for good in your life as you trust Him. Finally, just as the musicians come, your trust will go when you realize that there are others who trust God standing with you. We're here this morning surrounded by people of faith who trust God. Hebrews 12:1 says, "Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. You know, one of the reasons why we gather together as a community of faith is so that we can stand with each other and support one another as we go through difficult times. That's the way that God has planned it. He said, look, if there's any sick among you, call for the elders of the church. And they'll pray. And the prayer of faith will heal the sick. When you are sick, when you're going through a crisis, most often you don't have high levels of faith and trust. That's why God says, get somebody else to pray with you. Get somebody else to stand with you. When Moses was on the hill and the Israelites were facing the Amalekites in the valley, uh, Joshua was leading the battle, but Moses was up there and he had a friend on either side lifting up his hands. And as his hands were lifted up by his friends, then the battle was won. And we need people to stand with us, people to stand alongside us, people to encourage us because every one of us will go through difficult times from one time to another. But when you can come and when you can ask someone to stand alongside you, the strength that comes into that situation is sometimes overwhelming. You know, the Apostle Paul says, that the gift of the Holy Spirit was given by the laying on of hands. Sometimes it's the gift of encouragement that's given as people just put an arm around your shoulder. Sometimes it's a gift of comfort. Sometimes you just feel loved. Sometimes you just know that as others are standing with you, you can get through that situation. Always, God is with us in those situations. But it's so helpful when others get alongside you as well. Why don't you determine to be someone who will get alongside others? Someone who will encourage somebody else who's in a more difficult situation than you. If you need a breakthrough, get others to stand with you. No matter what your situation is like this morning, God can turn it for good. But remember, 
Life is lived forward and understood backwards. So don't think you'll understand everything. But deepen your relationship with God. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Live in God's Word. Trust God. And you will break free from that haze of adversity and take hold of God's plans and purposes for your life.